not be driven by fear into an age of unreason. Oh my god, guys, listen up. I have an announcement to make. Did you guys know that I'm like the number one Google search last week? It could be the stuff of history, however, one way or the other. Okay, is Jessica Simpson here yet? And to those critics who are so pessimistic about our economy, I say, don't be economic girly man. And you'll never have to pour or measure detergent again. Can we, can we all get along? Terror, horror, death. Film at 11. How many sides does a triangle have? Damn, four. There's no side. One. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth. Hello, everybody. Brain Trust. It has been far too long. I truly miss being able to speak with you guys and gals out there that have supported me and my political and current event ramblings um, for so long. But as I told you in the last episode, I have been quite busy with the undertaking of a lifetime, attempting to mount a very serious campaign for President of the United States. As you all know, I know my politics very darn well, and I've got lots of ideas for how we can operate as more moral people and as a more effective country. And I have been sharing them with all of you for over 200 hours of recordings over these last eight years. It should definitely be a higher amount of episodes because I've taken long gaps. That's not a surprise to anybody who's listening. If you're still subscribed, and I know a lot of you are, and you are the core that I will love forever and appreciate forever your support. And I'm always very sorry that I'm not able to do them more often. I should. I worry about sound quality. There's someone recording in my car, and it's not going to sound great. But I was just having an internal struggle, and I thought either I'm going to give you one that doesn't sound great or not give you one again for a while. And I wanted to update you on the most intense, inspiring, humbling, thrilling, and exhausting journey that I've ever undertaken. Um, we're gaining some huge steam, which I'm very excited to report to you. We are finally getting some real momentum, finally getting to hit the grassroots part of the campaign trail. We've been in just these three months of the campaign to Iowa, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Florida, Texas, of course, California, where I live. And and the pre part of the campaign also to Philadelphia and to Boise and being able to talk with people around the country. Beautiful. As I'm driving now from downtown Los Angeles, I see this awesome waving American flag billboard. It's just a, a picture of a flag. It's not actually a flag, but it tickled my inspiration bones. Is that a phrase? I doubt it. But it is now. Maybe I can convince B. Woodbury to hop back on the old quote tweet train, tweet, tweet, live tweet train, and write this one down. And this one will give her an aneurysm because there were several sounds that will be hard to transcribe. And you're welcome. Don't make me pr- play Annie Lennox, Bridget. I will do it. Um, but this campaign has been such 
a journey and the privilege of my life to be able to travel around and speak with all of you and for you to open up to me the issues that affect you in this country and you care about and to open up your struggles and your pain and your problems and your challenges and the things that you want fixed and the things that you don't need fixed and the things that matter to you from my trip to Camp Pendleton speaking to our troops, many of whom enlisted just because they needed a steady job or wanted to learn discipline in their lives, to the school teacher from Colorado who tragically lost one of her five-year-old students to gun violence, or to that same teacher who told us that she lost also the children of one of her colleagues who were tragically killed by their father and the mother reported to the courts that he was a danger and acting erratically and dangerously and they refused to take his guns away and started to convince me that we need much stronger red flag laws so we can when someone's in imminent danger take their weapons away so they don't do something stupid and terrible and tragic to the amazing fun times I've had singing karaoke with people after an event in Nashua, New Hampshire, a Beers with Ben event where we all went and I sang the Humpty Dance with everybody, with everybody. Y'all, I don't know if I've done it on the podcast, but y'all know I can rock that Humpty Dance. You probably intuit that deep down in your soul. All right, stop what you're doing because I'm about to ruin it. It's just a little taste. That's through an AirPod while driving on a freeway. So just imagine the glory of a Slightly better mic'd, very loud bar in New England. I mean, just picture it. The possibilities are endless. No, they're not. It's really just that one possibility that I just described pretty accurately. And I am so... It's talking to the farmers that I've talked to in Iowa who are starting to make me rethink being completely anti-the-tariff approach even though Trump is terrible in practically every way. And he just haphazardly guessed these tariffs and guessed the amounts and doesn't listen to economists. But, opening a drink, sorry for the extra sound, but I'm parched. I've been talking to people constantly for three months. You try it. Go ahead and you try it. Sorry for yelling. But told us that we do have to do something. That was the popping of the glass opening. Hold on, just a quick sip. This is a rosé drink that I just got in a leave in a in a, like a gift bag, leaving a dinner I attended, and it's not great. It tastes like roses, which are you know it's a nice smell, but as a flavor, I, I'm not so certain. But he said to us that the farmers in this country think long term, and so while they're taking a hit right now, we have to do something to curb China. And so what are we going to do? We have to fix this imbalance and not allow them to run roughshod with us. Is that the right phrase? But not to run, have their way with us, you know? And so if they're willing to take it on the chin, it makes me at least pause. And if that's a consensus, and I haven't talked to all the farmers yet, but I'll get there. It makes me think that perhaps we, you know, indeed need to take some strong measures. We, of course, can't let them run off of their intellectual property and a trade imbalance forever. That is unfair to the American people. And we've got tons of products, so it's not like we need to buy stuff constantly when it affects, obviously, produce and staples of food that we need. That's where it's a real problem. And when it leads to 
you know, huge amounts of food being rotted and in warehouses not being able to be shipped out. It's a problem, of course, but also I was heartened to know when visiting the Iowa Food Bank that uh, the Iowa Food, the um, I didn't visit the bank yet, but I was invited to, but I visited the uh, Smoke Out Hunger event in Iowa, sponsored by the Iowa Food Bank, and they said that actually due to the amount of over the overcrop that cannot be sold due to these tariffs on China, they're at least being largely used to help supplement the food being offered to these food banks, and that's very nice. That's a positive. Did you know that one in six, I believe it is, children in Iowa are um, food insecure? How in America is this a thing that we allow to happen? So we're not treating our children well in this country anyway. Those that come over the border seeking a better life, we're putting them in cages. It's not a cool thing to do. I think it is important to eat healthy and eat cage-free eggs, but more important to have cage-free children. And I've said it throughout the course of this campaign, and I'll say it many more times. In politics, you have to repeat things to get messages across, because people don't listen the first 4,700 times. But we also need to take care of the children in our country. And I believe that our obligation is to our own citizens first. We must be humans to everybody. We must treat everybody with kindness and decency. And if people come here and are contributing members of our society, we give them a bed and shelter and treat them well. And we adjudicate the cases, of course, and protect our borders. And those that we deem should be sent back, we will send them back with their entire family intact. We will not take people away from their children and not keep good track of who their parents are or any good way to return them to their families. We will not keep people in subhuman conditions because... That's not what America is. It's not to any of our interests. It certainly doesn't help our standing in the world. It doesn't help the way we're seen by other people. It creates more enemies. And those are the superficial reasons. They're important. They're deep. But they're not the heartfelt reasons. We also don't do it because it's what's incorrect morally. We are a nation of immigrants. And we should respect. Fudge. Fudge. I missed the freeway that I needed to be on. Fudge. And also the fact that I just said fudge right now. Allow me to say fuck. I should not say fudge. I was trying to clean it up instinctually. Wait, great news. America's got my back on this one. I think I did not miss the freeway. Oh, Lord, this is good news. Great news. Grapes news, honestly. Oh, crisis averted. Anyway, what was I talking about? Only problem with the podcast is nobody, a solo podcast, there's nobody there to remind you where your train of thought was. Well, you almost... Make a turn that puts you on a detour that you do not have the time or energy for. Well, you don't like it. And it's distracting, and I understand that, and I hope you do as well. Um, but basically, the point I'm trying to make is we've been able to build an amazing team that has been really fighting for this campaign to get noticed and to have its voice heard, because there are many powers I've learned that really try to keep Outside voices out. We do not let in people that the media does not want in. They don't want people that they don't know what to expect from. They aren't going to bring them ratings and will be a question mark as to how that person might speak or behave. They really put their foot on the scale. The fourth estate that the media is, you know, the first three being legislative and executive and judicial, and the fourth is the media. They get to decide what issues get brought to the forefront in our country and get to really control the narrative. And while 
It is not true when Trump calls fake news on facts he simply doesn't like and calls fact on lies he tells that make him seem better. It is true. He is right about the fact that they definitely spin things and present things in a much more skewed way based on their own agenda. And that's something you have to be aware of and to combat. We've learned it firsthand. I've had news anchors tell me that they won't have me on because I'm off-brand for them. The news should not have a brand. You should report what happens. That's your job. And our campaign is incredibly serious. I'm so grateful to the team of people, 12 or so now, campaign manager and coordinator and digital director and social media director and PR communications team and strategists and directors and senior advisors and strategists, people who have worked with the Obama administration and the Clinton camp, the Hillary Clinton campaigns and my campaign manager, Lauren Young, who worked on the Doug Jones for Senate team and also was the campaign manager for two different Senate races against Paul Ryan and my campaign coordinator, Melanie Abrams, who worked on Hillary's campaign and people that are just so dedicated to this cause to my girlfriend, Carmel, who has helped in a way that I couldn't even imagine how lucky I am to have somebody in my life who just cares so much about this country and cares so much about me that she's just willing to help at any time, comes home from a hard day of work as a dental hygienist and then helps me make flyers for the campaign and helps us do the accounting for the campaign so that we make sure our FEC reports are correct and the enormous hill it is to climb to mount a campaign when you don't have a political machine or millions of dollars behind you. And we are hitting major momentum. I know I teased that earlier. My bad. I'm getting back to it right now. I'm going to get back to it. And I will. And I am at this moment. If you'd let me finish this sentence, I could get to it. And you're not letting me. Or you are? Okay, thank you. Here we go. Well, we just got the front page of the National Telegraph. You might have seen that on my social media. It is a, one of the oldest newspapers in the country since 1832 it's been in publication. And it's one of those newspapers that is a bellwether that determines, that tells people in the first primary voting state of New Hampshire which campaigns to take notice of. That's a very big deal. I don't know where it just paused. It just paused on me, this recording. I checked on it and it paused. I think it was just no words that left. I was talking about the National Telegraph. Thirteen and a half minutes in, I'll check when I get home, but I think I missed nothing. Well, we got the front page of the National Telegraph. People in New Hampshire are talking about our campaign. We are hoping to get a couple of very big endorsements that will take us to a very new level and a very next level. And then guess what, Brain Trust? We then went to Iowa, met with the state party, and met with the county chairs in different counties and made the case about how, while we have to do what we can to get corruption out of our government and get big money out of our politics, and we have to change the laws so that we finally have a government that only a Congress only votes on one issue at a time instead of putting all these poison pills and side projects in every bill, which only serves to give them perfect excuses why they don't get things done. It gives them perfect excuses for why they don't need to be held accountable to their votes. They can say, oh, I wanted to vote for the 9-11 Victims Compensation Bill. But there was a damn bridge in there. I didn't want to vote for that bridge so my constituents wouldn't be happy. So that's why I voted no. No, we're voting in the future for one bill, on, for one item on clean bills. So there's no excuses anymore. And we're going to fight for ranked choice voting. 
so you can list your top few favorite candidates. You can support a more fringe candidacy like mine or independent campaigns that aren't given a voice by the money's influence in our politics. And then if that person does not get a majority of the vote, then they go to your second choice. You don't lose your vote. So you're able to more freely support fringe candidates for your first choice. These fundamental changes we need to take money out of politics by banning lobbyists from ever giving money to a campaign, not being 90% of the money campaigns receive. Just complete obvious bullshit and nonsense and snapple-dapple that should never be happening in any sane world or even insane fantasy world. It would be a ridiculous policy. And so we're fighting and getting the message across. But we're also getting the message across that I should be the person you support because in addition to having great ideas to help the country, a lot of the same progressive ideas that some of the progressive candidates running for office have, some of the more moderate progressive candidates on some issues depend. We need to compromise on guns. We need a middle ground on health care that can give coverage to everybody while not imploding our economy and our system. So it shouldn't be Medicare for all. It should be Medicare expanded as a public option offered to everybody who does not currently have it, but also keeping the private market alive because a lot of people like their health care and because I don't think it because I think it's un-American to not let people also go into the private market to seek better health care if they so choose, because competition is good, and because when I had my health scare, it was nice to be able to go and find a better surgeon I wanted that could serve my needs better and figure out a way to pay out of pocket for some money that I didn't have, but scramble and get it and put some on credit card and be able to save your life in a different way or a different aesthetic way if you so choose. Or if there ended up being big lines with an expansion of Medicare that you could use your own resources and your own resourcefulness to find a way to get care faster or different or better. It's good to have options in America. And because Medicare often reimburses at lower rates than private insurance does, so rural health care offices, doctor's offices and hospitals in areas that are not near big cities where it already it's tough for people to get there and see a doctor – they're already struggling financially because they have very few patients. If they get reimbursed at lower rates, a lot of those offices and doctors and hospitals will close. And people in these rural areas will have coverage but no access. You're going to have to travel 500 miles maybe to see a doctor. That's no good. So we need to compromise on that. I keep pushing off more of the good news. I've given you some of it. So we're, we're teasing it out slowly. I know how to tell a story, damn it. Give me a moment. I'm also tangential as fuck, and I have a lot of things to fill you in on that I've not been able to talk to you about for a very long time. Because I've been around the country working 18 to 22, sometimes 25 straight hours before sleeping for a few hours and doing it all over again. It's like the telephone for America, but without any end in sight. Thank goodness, because we're getting momentum. I keep talking about this momentum. Because we're getting it. And we're being invited back. Here's the rest of the great news. For this big moment our campaign is about to get, we are being invited back to Iowa and New Hampshire to speak at some very large events and Democrat rallies alongside some of the other big candidates. A very legitimizing moment for us. We already had some of them. I've been now on Fox Business twice. I just debated Tommy Lahren on Fox Nation for 35 minutes and Stuart Varney on Fox Business, on Varney and Company. And then Tommy was on my podcast, this very podcast last week on Earth. I released the video already. You can see it on my YouTube, 
slash BeGleeb. But it'll be released on this podcast soon, as will the Doug Stanhope episode. Alyssa Milano has a podcast now called Sorry Not Sorry. I recommend you listen to it. She's a very fascinating, very intelligent woman we all grew up loving. Her first guest was Joe Biden. Her seventh guest was little old Ben Glebe. Pretty legitimizing moment for us. And the Washington Post interviewed me and released a video from Hannah Explains on the Hannah Jewel series on YouTube. I haven't done a print story yet. I'm a little bitter, but it's cool. Now this interviewed me in New York. I flew to New York for that. And hopefully they'll be releasing it soon with their 20 questions for 2020 candidate series. They've interviewed every major candidate. And they asked me to come do it. And I can't wait to see it. And we got many more and tons of media coming out on my social media, my YouTube, and my Instagram, and my Twitter, my Facebook, at Ben Glebe and all that. Y'all know that. And I promise there will be a Twitter answer soon. I'm going to tweet one out for next week if I can and do that in addition to releasing these other episodes that are coming at you. I'm also going to swap cast with the Street Report. I just did a very interesting interview, but you can listen to it now by looking up the Street Report on iTunes as well. On iTunes and uh, also the Storycraft podcast with Craig Rasmussen I did for the second time a few weeks into the campaign that I will be swapcasting into this podcast as well. In fact, no, we're not swapcasting. I recorded a whole separate one for you guys. I just didn't release yet. Ooh, I got more to release for you. Great news for you. Great news for me. I just hope that my lazy ass can get to it. That song did not even rhyme 1%. Well, maybe once, but then it went south quick. Sorry about that, you guys. It's very, you know, it's very stressful in the campaign trail. Just these three months, I'm turning gray. Not fully, obviously, but had one gray hair, maybe at maximum. But when this campaign started, now I have no joke, like 50, 60 gray hairs. Uh, it's not great for your health, right, President? Getting a little bit of weight, eating unhealthy foods on the road. But, you know, I'd do it. Do what I can for the country. Trying. Trying, at least. Offer another voice and their choice to people in case that is what, need, what is needed to stop Donald Trump. Right, that's the other part of the case we're making is that despite all of my love for the country and all the issues that I believe we have to fix and the fact that I have good ideas to fix them all and the passion needed and much more urgency that I feel very deeply, as you guys know, and I think a lot of these candidates that I don't think, I think intellectually they want to fix these problems, but they don't feel it in their heart. I don't feel like a lot of them in their soul feel the need to fix it because the country's going down the drain. Some do, I hope. It's not likely I'm going to win, but I hope we're going to win. I hope I get the nomination and I get to be on that debate stage against Donald Trump because I guarantee I will win that verbal altercation. I will make him look small. I will embarrass him. I will make points he won't be able to refute. I will have jokes ready and slams ready, and I will win. And some of his supporters will change their mind. I will get the country united against the orange monster eroding our values. That's the one thing I've been doing in this campaign that none of the other candidates can claim they've been able to do is at campaign events and how I stand up shows, the few I've been able to still do throughout this campaign. I'll be heckled by a Trump supporter or get into an altercation or not an altercation argument with them. Some altercations almost like some people breaking their beer bottles and in their buckets and then storming out. I think I have a video that I'm going to try to release soon. But some coming up on stage, storming towards the stage, so I invite the guy up. I haven't released this video yet. By the end, he said, I like this guy. Came up to my table afterward and said, I'm going to vote for you. I've had many Trump supporters who start out with their arms crossed and a real sour look on their face, sour like they bit into a, like a lemon or maybe like a 
like a, like a, like a non-ruby red grapefruit. And by the end, they donate to my campaign. Do you understand what I'm saying? They donate. Trump supporters. That's unifying the country. That's how you win hearts and minds. And that's the argument I've been making is that in the in an era with Donald Trump, you cannot run a traditional campaign. Matthew Cook said it to me best. Somebody else said to him. I was on Larry King's show the other day with guest host Matthew Cook because he's not Larry King. He can tell that on account of different names. He said people are comparing it to like bringing policy papers to a wrestling match. That's exactly right. I got the policy ideas and the passionate points, but I also know how to wrestle. I can wrestle with the best of them. And I'll wrestle Trump so hard, I'm going to end up with orange paint all over my skin like I just ate a bag of Cheetos. And I'm willing to get orange for the country. And so people are resonating with that. These county leaders are saying that is a good point. No one's being strategic, and we don't want to repeat 2016. The nightmare that has made me jump into this race is because I'm deathly afraid we're going to lose again. And then none of this matters. None of the policy positions matter. We have to save the planet that's dying, and on day one, I would get us back into the Paris Climate Accords, and on day two, I would begin fighting for a much tougher, more stringent, and more enforceable agreement worldwide so we can actually more aggressively take on the urgent need of saving our planet. And I can more urgently take us towards the principles of the Green New Deal and get us off of fossil fuels fast and ban single-use plastics and all of us sacrifice a little bit and convince people in the coal industry and the fossil fuel jobs that if we retrain you and find retraining for you, make sure you don't have to pay out of pocket for that and get you similar jobs in industries that are comparable but in new energies that are clean so you don't have to breathe that junk. You don't have to get black lung or coal miner lung. And you also get to help save the planet and move us to a cleaner world? Why would you not do that? And they all say, yes, once you take care of our fear of losing our job, we are willing to switch to that, sure. But we can't do any of it if we lose. We can't do any of it if we lose to Donald Trump. The orange menace who is doing all he can to erode our values. Tupe, fiasco, treasonous Trump. Cry, baby, Donnie, Putin, side chick. Napoleon Bonspers. The Oompa Loompa in charge of the Golden Hen House. I made up the end of that last one. I don't like it. I don't think it made a lot of sense for you either. Did it? Please tweet at me your own nicknames for Trump, and I will integrate them into my campaign stops and speeches. Had been bleed. Hashtag Twitter answers. There we have it for next week. Ooh, I can launch them from the podcast sometimes. You can tell me the answer on Twitter. Why did it take me eight years to think of that one? Shit, brain trust. A lot of things on my mind. One more sip. I pulled into my home, and I'm going to hopefully see my girlfriend and my dog. I'm going to sleep soon, so I can try to raise more money for the campaign in the morning. This upcoming trip back to New Hampshire and Iowa. Okay, sip coming now. You can take your own sip, too. We can drink together. Still strange tasting rose water drink, but it's growing on me. It's actually not that bad. It's called H2 Rose. Okay. Wild berry. More sausage? Is that what it says on it? It really does. Wild berry. Oh. Mire Sausage? Is that French? Oh, yeah. Mure Sauvage. Aromatisse de Facon Nu Natural. 
Did it say Facon? Facon on the sounds very inappropriate. Wild berry naturally flavored in French apparently is Nouret Sauvage Aromatisme de Facon Natural. I'm really hitting that hard there. It became a little Pepe Le Pew on you guys, and I apologize. The point is, we need to be strategic in beating Trump, and no other campaign is doing so. I have a way to beat him, and they do not. Joe Biden was asked in an interview recently, "What are you sure you have policy ideas and experience, but what are you going to do when Trump makes fun of your age and calls you senile and comes at you and calls you Sleepy Joe? And Biden, who's been completely unfocused his whole campaign and came and put a full sentence together with all respect. You need to nominate who's going to be sharp and win. Not who's going to be tired and lose. And he goes, and I quote pretty much. He goes, you can Google it. He goes, well, I'll say, uh, come on, man. Come at me, man. Let's see who can do more push-ups if you want. I'm kidding. I'm joking. The point is, is that I'd be like, run with me, man. I mean, I'm sorry. This answer makes no sense. It made no sense to you, right? doesn't make any darn sense to anybody. I just watched him at the Des Moines, at the uh, Iowa State Fair. He said during his speech that he's rambling and he cuts himself off in each point. And he at one point said, truth is more important than facts. I'm sorry to say, what? Did you get that quote from Kellyanne Conway, Mr. Bidet? Joe Biden, by the way, is, is in French is Joe Bidet. I like Joe. I respect him very much as service to our country, but you need to nominate who's going to win. Who has the skills to be nimble and adjust to the greatest heckler in political history that is Donald Trump. And that is me, y'all. I'm the one that has those skills. And so, by the way, on this very important note, we absolutely, I need your guys' help after giving you guys for eight years a free podcast. And I don't believe I've ever, except once, maybe asked for donations for the podcast like five years ago. For a couple of weeks, I did. It's not even ads on this podcast for the vast, vast majority of eight years, almost never, please donate what you can afford at Glebe2020.com. You know it, but G-L-E-I-B-2020.com. Please, even $1 is amazing if that's all you can afford. So we're trying to get 130,000 donations now as the threshold to get on the debate stage. We're also trying to qualify for the polls and get the polls to allow us to be in the polls so we can get the 2% needed in just four local or national polls make them the debate stage. We need 130,000 people to donate. And each person only counts once. But if you can afford more, please do. If you can afford 5, 10, 20, 50, if you can afford $100, please do it. Because I truly, truly need the help. The more you can give, the more we can afford to bring our staff out on this trip to Iowa and New Hampshire so that I can compete, so that we have actual infrastructure, so that we are able to get the word out in a much more effective way and put on bigger events and compete with all the big candidates that we'll be crisscrossing with throughout all of Iowa and New Hampshire and at these events. Um, it's really important. I don't ask for a lot from you guys. I've entertained you for free for a long time. I please need, I, need, I truly need your support. If you can afford $500, please give it. But truly, even 20 or 10 would mean so much. Um, and if any of you are able, are listening and are able to afford donating $100 or more, as a thank you, I will mail you my CD DVD. It's a data disc for your computer, but basically a DVD. It has six hours of videos on it, so it's really better. And my CD that Margaret Cho produced years ago, Live of the Vortex. 
biofermal vortex. I can't remember my own album's name right now. I'm tired. Point is, I'll mail that to you if you send me a tweet saying that you heard on the podcast and then you send a screenshot of your donating 100 or more. I will send you a DVD. If you donate 500, I'll send you five DVDs. CDs, Kambas. Um, um, that would be amazing. Please, anything you can afford, and please get five of your friends, each of you, just five friends, to donate whatever they can. Even if it's $1, if you can get five friends to donate, it'll change the game. Because there's thousands of you listening. And if you each get five, it's exponential growth, and we're a big step towards getting on that debate stage. And wouldn't it be amazing? After all these years of you guys hearing my political commentary, hear me right in the mix trying to actually make the case to the American public how we can beat Trump and weaken Trump and poke holes in him and make fun of him nationally. And if I then move from that to winning the nomination, could you imagine how it could change the course of history and we could help save this country? Even if I don't get the nomination, how it could help change the course of history because I'll be able to show the other candidates how to take him on better and make fun of him more effectively and how I'll be able to show the other candidates how to use humor to defuse him and to bring the country together and unite against the common purpose of defeating this person who's trying to defeat us. It's so important. I'm not asking for me. I don't see a penny of this money. I've given my money to this campaign. I'm not taking other work for this campaign and turning down opportunities for auditions and for shooting parts and short films and for gigs I've been offered that I've been on the road and unable to take. And I, and I said auditions already, but that is true as well. And stand-up gigs I've had to cancel. And I'm not even sure where my income level is going to end up this year. It's going to be my lowest in many, many, many years because I'm not I'm available to work. I'm doing a little bit of work. I have some stand-up gigs coming in just so these clubs don't never book me again. Please come out to them. You can see the dates all at bengleeb.com. But I'm coming to Denver Comedy Works in early September, first week of September. Um, you can get tickets there. I'm doing a one-nighter at Cobb's Comedy Club in San Francisco which is very exciting, a one-night gig coming up in September, like the second week of September, I think the 13th or something like that, like Tahoe and probably there soon. I'll be coming to, damn it, let me tell you some other places while I can, while I have you here. Hold on, just stand by, don't move nowhere, don't go no place. Um, Hold on, okay, come on, just webs up, damn, don't bring texts up, come on, try to bring the thing up. Oh, boy, technical difficulties, please stand by. Here we go. Where is it? Why well, don't the things ever show up when you want them to show up on your on your on your phone? They don't ever do it. It's like they're trying to punish you. I already mentioned Tahoe. I'll be there August twenty eighth through September first. Denver, Colorado, September fifth through September seventh at Comedy Works. San Francisco at Cobbs on September thirteenth. I got that one right. Um, I will be in Springfield, Missouri. At the Blue Room Comedy Club, October 11th through 12th. Vancouver for a rare out-of-the-country trip, November 8th through 9th. Wilmington, North Carolina at Dead Crow Comedy Room, November 15th through 16th. St. Louis, Missouri at Funny Bone, November 21st through 24th. Just keep in mind, these are like one gig a month or sometimes two for two or three nights. Every other waking moment, 95% of my time, literally, even on the nights when I have shows, doing campaign events multiple a day in each of these cities. I'm literally not even in the comedy club and my opening or feature acts on stage and working on the campaign. I'm making calls and doing interviews and doing podcasts. I'm trying to get the word out in every way humanly possible. I'm 
studying, I'm reading policy, I'm developing policy, I'm unveiling things, I'm making partnerships, I'm, I'm reaching out to potential donors, I'm trying to raise money and trying to run a campaign that will really resonate and help change the game and help influence the future of our country in a very positive way. So if you're near those cities and you want to come to the stand-up shows, that's amazing. That'll support me and my whatever is currently left of my comedy career because my agents are not very happy that I'm very unavailable for shows, nor is my pocketbook. But it's okay. It's all good. What I do care about is please come support these campaign events. Please donate to the campaign if you can afford any amount at Glebe2020.com. Check out the website. Pass that website to your friends. Use the hashtag Glebe2020. And come see my events. We'll be posting them on Glebe2020.com and my social media coming up. I'll be in Iowa from September 16th through September 22nd. I'll be at the Iowa State Fair on September 17th. I'll be doing a speech at the... Here's some of the rest of the big news. See, I told you I'd get back to it. I'm about to be done with this podcast episode. And the news comes full circle. Here's where it gets super exciting. I'm speaking at the seven-county rally, presenting seven counties of the Democratic Party in Iowa and Marion County on September 18th, alongside some of the other major candidates. Don't know exactly which ones yet, but I've been told they will be there. On September 20, and we're doing beers with Ben Aventure. I will buy you a beer in each of these states and, and towns. Stay tuned to my social media on September 20th. That's September for all that? Shit. August. August, guys. August, August, August. Sorry. August 16th through 27th, I will be in Iowa, New Hampshire. Iowa, August 16th through 22nd. And New Hampshire, August 23rd, or night of the 22nd, through 27th. Jeez, what is wrong with my brain? might be a quick Boston event in there as well. Stay tuned. But I'm speaking on August 25th at this huge event in Laconia for the Norfolk County um, uh, Democrats. God, I hope I got that right. I'm not positive. Hold on. I'm going to double-check that because, listen, this, these details are very important, and there's huge amounts of details coming at me, and I just want to make sure that I got that right. I respect Everybody, I'm sorry, it's Belknap County. That's the name of the county. My apologies, please, to everybody in Belknap County, New Hampshire. But it is in, the event is in Laconia, New Hampshire, which is part of Belknap County. And um, I'm speaking at that event with many of the other candidates. And here's the most exciting news. I then had a meeting with the AFL-CIO leaders in Iowa. And I told them, look, I'm the only candidate of all the ones running who's actively currently in a union. SAG-AFTRA, my union for over 15 years, is under AFL-CIO. I've been a union guy for most of my career once I was able to qualify for the union. And I've fought to make all the TV projects that I've done union projects. I've upgraded many of them to being union and refused to do TV work that's not union. And so I told them that they know I will fight for them because I am one of them and the only one who can say that. And they agreed with me and apparently liked what I had to say because... I got back to L.A., and a few days later, they sent me a beautiful letter inviting me to speak at their annual AFL-CIO convention in Iowa. On August 21st, I believe, will be live-streamed on C-SPAN, which is no ratings blockbuster, but it's a very legitimizing moment. That will also be an open press pool there, and hopefully covered by the press, and hopefully we make some waves with the remarks I have to give, and our campaign gets to change its trajectory. But here's the biggest, most exciting part of the news where we have our most legitimizing mainstream moment at this event. 
I'm telling just you guys right now, the brain trust. This is the speaking order of the candidates at this event in order leading up to the culmination of the event where the president of the AFL-CIO speaks. John Delaney, Elizabeth Warren, Jay Inslee, Cory Booker, Pete Buttigieg, Bernie Sanders, Bill de Blasio, Marianne Williamson, Joe Biden, Tulsi Gabbard, Julian Castro, Andrew Yang, Steve Bullock, Tim Ryan, Seth Moulton, Amy Klobuchar, Michael Bennett, Beto O'Rourke, John Hickenlooper, Joe Seastack, Ben Reed. I get to close it out. Each of us gets 10 minutes. And it's a moment where there are no other camp, there are no campaigns in this list that are not top tier campaigns. And I believe after the speech, ours will be as well. I'm so excited for you guys to hear the audio on this podcast, to see the video. I'm sure live streamed on my social media and then reposted everywhere. My parents are pretty excited to see it too. Thank you guys for being part of this journey with me all along. And what song do I leave you with now? Interesting. Uh, forgive the overt patriotism of this, but one of the best renditions ever of the national anthem, a song that when I was in third grade, I requested every time that every student each morning in a rotation got to request a song for Mr. Jacobson to play on his record player. And I drove my fellow students nuts every single time it came to me, every whatever, 20 days, 30 days. I would play the Star Spangled Banner because I've always loved the song. So let's do one of the best versions of it. I was gonna hold on. I was gonna do Whitney Houston's version, which is one of the classics. But I believe Boys to Men did one I liked a lot too. So I'm gonna Google this when I get inside. Once I play with the dog and the girlfriend, I'm not gonna play with the girlfriend. You understand what I'm saying? You don't even know my private business. Point is, if there's a Boys to Men version, I believe I saw a cool one years ago. That's what you'll hear. And if not, It'll be Whitney Houston. This is a free podcast. You don't get to be picky about which version of a particular song gets played. I don't know why we're even arguing about this. It's good to be back with you guys. Until last week, next week. This has been Last Week on Earth. Please join in singing our national anthem with Philadelphia's own Boys to Men. So proudly we hailed Had the twilight's last gleaming Whose broad stripes and bright stars Through the perilous fight For the ramparts we watched Were so gallantly streamed Say, does that star spangled bay?